Hello and welcome back to None of Us Is Yet A Robot, the podcast. I'm Emma Franklin and I will be your host as we once again battle ambient sounds in the quest for transgender chat. I am a trans woman and one of the things I found hard to find is trans women talking, just chatting, and that's what this podcast series is about. I don't prepare questions or rules for the conversations, there's a loosely set topic, but we just leap from there and see where we end up. This episode's conversation was with Rhiannon Stiles, someone I know, uh, have known a little bit on both sides of both of our transitions. She's a performer and a musician, as well as being the first trans columnist for Elle magazine, No Mean Feet. Uh, here she speaks beautifully about things, and I've really enjoyed listening back to this conversation and actually registering again the things that were said. Um, it's episode three, and you'd think I was getting the hang of this podcasting lark, but uh, you'd be wrong. We were recording at the ICA in London, and uh, at the start, things were a little tense because of the location I'd chosen. We got moved around a little bit. I mean, it's rock and roll, so we just kind of, uh, you know, we, we rolled with it. But um, we are speaking in a public space, so I think there's a little um, tension around that. There are people around us. Um, and about halfway through, we gain several surprise guests as the rest of Rhiannon's party arrive and they join in the conversation. Uh, we covered a lot, but mostly it was connected to the provocation from our previous guest, Joe Clifford, uh, which was the binary and its downfall. And I think we mostly stay on that topic. So uh, without further ado, and with some amount of background noise, uh, here we go. Episode three, None of Us Is Yet A Robot. Okay, let's just start recording. Hello and welcome to episode three of None of Us Is Yet A Robot, the podcast. I am delighted to be joined today by Rhiannon Styles. We're recording at the ICA in London and there's every chance that at any second we're going to be asked to move from the snug which we have tucked away and so... You know, exci- an exciting urgency to our conversation. We're on the edge of our seats, aren't we? <coughs> Literally on the edge of our seats. We don't know what's going to happen. No, it's, it's very real. Um, thank you for coming. Um, can I ask, before we get into anything, how do you identify? Um, it's an interesting one. I've been thinking about that recently. Um, I think when I first started my transition, I was like, I identify as a transgender female. But more recently, I've just kind of been thinking, actually, like, what do I identify as? How important is that for me? And um, I think I now I just identify as transgender. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like I'm at a point of going, well, essentially, yes, you, you know... There are elements of a female presentation, mm-hmm. and I'm comfy in a female presentation, but there are also very masculine elements to myself, which mm-hmm. I don't think I kind of want to deny as yeah. much either. So, yeah, I think transgender is good for me right now. That's really cool. Mm. It's really interesting to hear because um, the topic that was set for us to kind of loosely talk about, which we don't have to stick to, of yeah. course, but by Joe um, Clifford, who I spoke to last time, was the binary and I was listening a second ago to what she said and she said like actually the bi she wanted us to talk about what it is to be a man and a woman and the binary and its downfall possibly um so I've been thinking a lot today about these things hello so I'm gonna use the same of course 
in five minutes. Okay, thank you. Five minutes, and then we can move somewhere else. <laughs> um, I've spent my day on a building site. Yeah. With loads of people who I would read as cisgender men. Yeah. And so all day I've been pondering <laughs> what it, what, you know, yeah, what that question is. Well, I think when I when I was presenting as male and going under my old name of Ryan, I, w I wasn't really aware of the binary. Because mm. I don't think you, you well, okay, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. As kind of a white male, um, I was unaware of the binary for a long time, for like 30 years, because it didn't really, it didn't really come into my experience that I was getting treated any differently to to females in a sense, um, and in a, and I guess in a way from my own in, sort of internal kind of questioning about my identity, I wasn't necessarily feeling male anyway. Yeah. So, but I've only become much more aware of the binary since transitioning because I'm aware of the differences to how you're perceived, and I feel like the binary is much more. Um, you know. Yeah, no okay. problem. Let's just keep it. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. Well, I feel like the. I think the. I think the binary is spread out by other people as opposed to what I think about the binary. But I'm conscious about kind of transitioning and reinforcing the binary. I don't particularly want to do that either. Hold that thought. Hang on. I'm really conscious about transitioning and reinforcing the boundary because I think, you know, that is not my, it's not the reason why I'm transitioning at all, obviously. But um, I don't want to, I don't want um, to kind of, to be seen as subjectifying women to be one particular thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, how I'm moving through my transition. That makes sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because obviously, like, you know, femininity and womanhood, or however you want to call it, is, is a massive spectrum. And I'm just one thing, you know, within the, within the, yeah. within the realm of that. Um, I think it's interesting what you were saying about um, not seeing that binary at the point of identifying as a cisgender white man yeah because I took so I was also thinking about the fact that you are oh my god this is like the worst place to record I'm still getting used to this it's fine I apologise I'm sure you can edit that back out yeah no problem we'll take it out in post um, but you're like the only person so far mm -hmm. who I have known both sides of the transition for both of us right because we spent some time together in Paris studying mm. um, before and so it is interesting to kind of think about I don't feel any I mean I'm older but I don't feel inherently different to the person that was there yeah and I didn't yeah I didn't appreciate the binary I didn't see it when I had that privilege of not seeing it but whether that was a male privilege or whether that was a cis privilege mm -hmm. and whether this is like a different kind of a different kind of binary because mm -hmm. there's a binary of male and female and then there's mm -hmm. the binary of cisgender and transgender mm -hmm. and of course none of these things really are a binary because you can go on and on but for simplicity's sake there they are mm -hmm. and so I definitely feel my gender is transgender as opposed to cisgender 
that I can be sure of. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, Lily Wachowski, one of the Wachowski sisters, <laughs> as they all know now, yeah. was sort of talking about, um, you know, being, being transgender is about kind of not being in the binary of male and female, about being um, something which is otherness. And, mm. and you know, male and female is, is as much a binary as naught to one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There, is, there is much more around it. Um, I'm much more aware of the binary since transitioning, I think, because because you, I just don't think, you know, you don't need to kind of, you don't, because I feel much more like now, now I'm trans and identifying, say, you know, say sort of a trans female at times, it's like, I'm, there's much more to kind of fight for, mm-hmm. there's much more voice, there's much more reason for my voice to be in a wider consciousness so that we can kind of get a sense of um, eligibility in, a, in, a, in, the, in, the, in the world. Um, but when you're a kind of a white guy, what what are you fighting for? You know, there's no kind of, there's no kind of. I don't think that you have much resilience in the world. You know, um, I do I do find that now. But you have more things to things to shout about. I think it's important for me yeah. to shout about things. That's why I write a column for Elle magazines because I, I accepted that job because it was important for my voice to be on such a platform. And it's, I mean, talking about that, it's super exciting. It's super exciting that you're in that position to be writing from your perspective within what is undoubtedly a magazine for women. Okay. And a very, and my experience with our magazine is it's very much upholds that idea of a binary that, and, and those classic ideals that women will be interested in reading about clothes and fashion and mm. makeup and relationships and emotions and a lot of those um, stereotypes. Mm. Not to say that I do not enjoy reading about all of those things, as do many people, but yeah, to be, um, I mean, how does it feel to be working within that publication? Given the context of everything we're talking about as a mm. trans person, mm. I think it's 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 brilliant that that a magazine on such mainstream level as that has taken on a trans columnist mm. and was the first to do so, and and wants and understands that that's a that's a legitimate voice within within the world of of, of I don't know let's say female. Mm. So it's important that that you know that voice is an honest voice. I'm yeah. glad that it's, you know, I see my, consider myself to be, you know, a calm, good man person. And I'm glad that that's, mm. you know, me who's facilitating, who's giving them that kind yeah, of content. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, Elle magazine does reinforce the gender binary and, and I'm sure they're all aware of that, even though they're trying to um, potentially, you know, like be as equal. But, you know, a lot of their kind of, their fight is for equality as women, mm-hmm. and my fight is for an equality of a transgender woman. You know yeah. what I mean? That's important, and so I feel like actually, like we're all we're all kind of rallying together yeah. for a, much of a wider visibility on these topics, which is important. Which is why I think it's good that our magazine are doing that. I think it's fantastic. I think it's really important. I mean, and I think it's and I think it's important. So as this visibility does kind of spread out across the mainstream, which it is doing super rapidly, I mean, it's also got to be important at some point for, for other identities and other faces to be seen as well. Mm. Because, as you say, it's, we don't, don't, there is the danger of just upholding some of those stereotypes or being co-opted into upholding some of those, some of those stereotypes. 
even if that isn't necessarily kind of how you're how you are um, within mm. I'm interested by the um, I'm really interested by what you said at the beginning of um, the conversation about that shift away from saying calling yourself a transgender woman I loved it it's got like banging furniture and now we've got punk rock awesome. in the background Moving away from calling myself a transgender female. Well, because I just think, you know, I'm trans and I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy in the the sense that, yeah, just owning the idea of just being trans and not kind of having to kind of clarify what that means because I just don't think I'm sure what it means. I'm not really sure, like, because I kind of have, I have a sense of, like, I guess, you know, I never felt comfortable in the male presentation. I feel more mm. comfortable in the female presentation, but that's not it. It's not about kind yeah, of yeah. one opposite the other or one being distinctly other from, I mean, one distinctly being at a different place to the other because a lot of me is the same. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think I'm the same energy. Yeah. I could just be trans, you know, I've got a trans energy. I've transcended what I was, mm. but I, it doesn't doesn't say it doesn't say oh I'm I'm now this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. leaves it open, which I quite like. Yeah. I think I'm just much more inside of fluidity. Yeah, yeah. Than I ever was before because I think essentially everything is always changing. You know, nothing is perfect, mm-hmm. and um, nothing remains the same. So I think it's important to kind of accept that and know that that's kind of the nature of kind of life. Yeah. I spoke in a different episode, but um, I saw Kate Bornstein speaking recently down yeah. in, in Brighton. Yeah. And she said um, this great thing about how people, when you're coming out, people, some people might say to you, oh, it's a phase, just a phase you're going through. And that really pisses you off at the time. And you're like, fuck you, it's not a phase. This is, I, I know myself. Um, sorry, I shouldn't swear in the ICA cafe with lots of people around. Um, I think you should And then swear she here. said... Um, Oh yeah, it's punk rock tonight. And then she said, uh, but you know, I've got news for you. It is a phase. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's no less important because it's a phase. But yeah, yeah. it's a phase. Everything's mm. a phase. And mm. if you go through that um, and someone comes up to you in later life, she said and says, ah, you see, I told you it was a phase. Then you just say, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was still fun or it was still important. Like that's, you know, I mean, I think, I think that's a really good point. It's like, I mean, I'm fully aware that, like, you know, I'm a young person and, you know, the last four years I've changed how I was for the first 30 years of my life. Mm. But I can't predict the future. I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm 60. Do you mean? I mean, I've taken certain implications now to, to modify my body, which, are, which some are probably irre- quite irreversible. And mm. um, so, but I, you know, I hope that I'm kind of doing what I will always want to do yeah. but I don't know when I'm 60 maybe I'll be like it's time for something else mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, do you yeah. know no one knows really do yeah. they what's the beauty of it does that feel because so I just made this this piece that was about the body and about those physical changes and I think so like oh, fucking hell like already I'm tired of talking about the binary as it stands in this conversation um, in terms of like you know that problematic it's just problematic it's, all, it's a dead end it, it feels like it's a dead end always for everyone and it's mm. not it's just not helpful to go down because of course there's complexity and crossovers in in everyone and we should be we should be breaking that and I think you know as you've, as you've said trans as trans people we should stand as 
the evidence of that existence being outside. not existing yeah. as opposed to the evidence of oh well you know yeah. she wanted to mm. wear these clothes and call herself this and change her body to this therefore it must be more real because by moving from a male role to a female role you're you know you're, you're in some way up, upholding it yeah um, but that said I mean for, for me certainly there there has definitely been a physical need and satisfaction in the medication that I've taken. Like I feel mm -hmm. better now that I've replaced one set of dominant hormones with another set of dominant hormones. Yeah. Um, and I guess like there's that question of where does that where does that sit, which is something outside of society. It's outside of our magazine and other glossy magazines and it sits within what we actually are as um, as people, as as a you know, as bodies and bags of fluid and stuff. What's that about? Mm. Because the thing that hurts my head is being so sure that the binary does not exist, is not helpful to anyone, and yet also being very sure that the estrogen in my body that's doing really good things to how I feel. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I think, you know, like, I think, I know, like, when I first started my transition, like, in the street, people would look at me and they wouldn't be able to place me as male and female. Mm. And so in their eyes, I wasn't in, in the binary. And that was when life was hardest. Mm. Um, it was hard for me because I was trying to kind of I discover a trans identity, but other people were trying to still label me as male or female. And for the for, for trans people, I feel there's a safety in the binary yeah, because yeah. when you because when people can identify you as either male or female, you know, unfortunately we live in a world where you know people would still do that. So you're safe because they go, okay, well that is a girl, and mm -hmm. that's a girl. I'm not going to say anything. But if you're in if you're in the margins or you're in a different kind of orbit in life mm -hmm. and people kind of attack you because they can't classify you yeah. so in you know hopefully in 50 to 100 years maybe we won't have the classifications male and female and then it'll be a lot easier for people to be expressive in the, in the, in the way they yeah. want to be and that would be my hope it's us we're the forerunners we're the ones that have to say like yeah. give up on the boxes so it's just <laughs> go wherever you want yeah well, and it's, I mean, it's, it's happening slowly and I sort of hope that you know, people like Miley Cyrus push this idea further and it's yeah. not just a phase for, for a media kind of high mm -hmm. but I think you know that is stemming different kind of that is stemming more visibility in different platforms like TV mm. magazines which will, which will aid a bit wider consciousness of change but do you think it's harder though for because there is, so there is this there, you know so gen, gender queer non-gender non-gender conforming people who do not identify as transgender necessarily as well and yeah. I think it's really important for, 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 for them to be in this mainstream spotlight as well and for the focus to not just be on as we've said the people who uphold the, the male and the female but and it is really interesting that people like say Miley Cyrus can come out and say actually well I, you know, I don't I, I identify as agender I identify as non mm. you know no, no gender but I do wonder if that's easier still for people who've been assigned female at birth. Mm, mm. And I still can't, mm. you know, I feel like coming through a, 
place of calling oneself a trans woman and holding onto that identity and finding that, there's almost a point then of going through the other side and being mm. able to, to reach some kind of gender fluidity. But I think gender fluid's really hard mm. on a body that the world sees as, as male. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've really, re- yeah, I've really held on to my female identity as that point of safety as well, that kind of sense of, it's really hard to not, when people can't read out what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I had a guy today in the street, I'm working at Battersea, for some reason every time I'm around Clapham Junction I get shit from men in the street, and I don't know what it is because I haven't had it very much mm. in my life actually I've been quite lucky yeah. what I ignored but as I was walking here <laughs> like literally here to record this and it was a dude in a car and I guess like I'm wearing a short skirt today and I'm wearing bright lipstick today and the sun was out and stuff and you've got blonde, I've got blonde hair yeah. and all of these things are different definitely to when I didn't have any of those things mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah I looked and then went oh fuck is that a man and it was really through me because I haven't heard that for a lot for a while. Mm. And I know that I feel all the time. I feel 100% of the time that people read me as a man mm-hmm. because that's still my internal in my internal picture of myself. Yeah. Sometimes I can surprise myself when I look in the mirror, and sometimes I don't. But that insistence on who is this what is this person and it can only be one of those two things yeah it's fucking dangerous Mm. it's fucking dangerous I've been on a building site all day wearing a hard hat Mm. doing things traditionally associated yeah with masculinity and how is it from the building site with you kind of like amused okay I think (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that why? it's a building site and a theatre, so... I mean, why? Because you were somebody who's trans is in that environment, or I mean, that somebody who's trans is doing building, or... Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. You're like, are they seeing you as some kind yeah. of entertainment? I don't know. I think they can't work it. Are you doing dance routines while out. you're doing building? No, I'm wearing quite... <laughs> like, I'm wearing bright lipstick while I'm doing it. Maybe that's it. But they know your name's Emma. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? They know your name's yeah. Emma, and they can see you that you're wearing um, clothes typically associated with females. So why can't people just go, okay? You know, yeah. why do people still have to kind of go, okay, well, this person, okay, you know, like, I mean, and say stuff like that? Because why can't they just go, okay, it's Emma. It's just Emma. Yeah. You know, full stop. Yeah. I think, I mean, it still seems like the worst thing you can do is misgender a guy. And so yeah. people just want to default to that. There's a man at the uh, who works at the station that I use a lot in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you get off in the evening, if he's there, he says good night, sir, or good night, madam, yeah. to every single person. And it's it's terrible because I my self esteem is either buoyed up or shot to pieces by this guy because mm. I know and I can every time I see him I think okay what am I going to get today yeah and yesterday I got good night madam and I was like awesome and I felt really good mm. but then this is about this isn't about how I so I'm talking a lot about myself but this isn't about how I 
back to the binary, how I feel, that's not because I feel like a woman, mm-hmm. necessarily, any more than I felt like a man back when we were in Paris. Exactly. But it's about that, what I'm trying to achieve and yeah. what I'm asking the world yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I don't feel like I'm trying to particularly enforce a binary or I think about I think about kind of like I mean I do know I have you know talking about male and female privileges I know I do have female privilege now when it comes to being in association with guys mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean I'm not I'm not I'm happier not to kind of be either and it doesn't just it doesn't really come up very often for mm. me I have to say like I don't kind of challenge myself on this subject very much because mm. I, I'm sort of Granted, now I'm, I'm further along the process where it's very, it's very rare that I'm misgendered. Right. Um, and there certainly was a period last year when I had my hair cut quite short to get rid of quite like damaged, bleached hair. And there were periods then when I was wearing clothes that were kind of more masculine. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd still had kind of long hair and fem, yeah, much, yeah. a bit more of a femme look. But because I had short hair, I noticed people kind of giving me a second glance, which I hadn't had mm-hmm. for a while. Um, but I do understand, you know the suffering, it, what it's like, because I, I was like that at one point mm. as well, you know, three years ago I, I was living in a female role for two years without taking any medications, and that was the real, that was the hardest point. Yeah, and it's frightening, because yeah. it, I mean that's what it, come, mm. what it comes down to, is about fear of like, other people's reactions. But it's through other people that we, you know, find our place in yeah. the world a lot of the time, and unfortunately, you know. When you talk about female privilege, yeah, men are, men accord you. Mm-hmm. What what are those? Um, things like opening the cliched stuff that you talk about, and some women just go, "That's completely." Mis-. I've told some girls this, and they've gone, "That's completely misogynist." Yeah. I'm like, "It's not. It's, it happens to me." Okay, like. Uh, you know, like I get let let across streets by by cars stopping yeah. to let me go. That wouldn't happen if I was yeah, if yeah. I was still kind of seen as kind of a gay boy. Um, things like, for instance, I had to go and pick up these tickets at Euston the other day, and somebody assumed that I could get the tickets through the ticket machine with my card, uh-huh. but I couldn't. I had to have their card who booked the tickets, and I went to the ticket man, and he quite happily and jovially printed me out the tickets. Yeah. That was female. That was probably a white female privilege. If I'd been kind of like, if I if I'd been a white male, he probably would have done it. If I'd been anything else, I don't think he would yeah, have done yeah. it. Um, things like you know, I get let in front of people in queues when I'm down mm. the grocery shops or that kind of thing and it's particular. it's only men that do that to mm. me it's not women that do that to me yeah. yeah so you you know your place in the world changes and also you talk about kind of the equality with pay I mean because I'm because I'm a self-employed mm-hmm. performer um, you know I don't kind of face the same equality of pay as people in industry do um, Sorry, I've gone off subject. That's not talking about privilege, but it's an example no, again of how it's an example again of, bi- of the binary system and how yeah. and how men are perceived as having more power. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, that thing of opening doors is totally true. It's yeah. totally a thing, yeah. and it's really, it's it's an uh, yeah, it's a measurable women, change. It's an idea that women are, are second class citizens, and we'll let those go first. We'll make sure they're okay. Cause, you know. If war breaks out, we'll go and fight. The women can stay at home. But, I mean, sometimes it just makes... Sometimes I think, oh, everyone's so friendly today. Yeah. And it's that's why. Yeah. Oh, everyone's smiling at me. Lots yeah. of people smile at me more, mm. I find. Um, 
but interesting and with the pay and the things like that question of um, our privileges to white people as well and that I think is another th- is, well not another thing I think that is a big thing that with this trans tipping point ironically to use that phrase because it was Laverne Cox on the cover of that magazine yes beautifully but um, that within this great mainstream approval that we're all supposed to be enjoying it is predominantly white trans people who are coming to the forefront whereas actually a lot of the people that I followed online and mm. a lot of the sort of writing that I saw people that I kind of listened to on Twitter and things yeah. come from other backgrounds as well and I think it's I mean I sense this kind of you know quick quick we can we can get there we can get some respectability and I think it's a real responsibility to not allow that to happen mm-hmm. but that's across the board I was at, um, in Lancaster mm-hmm. last week at a feminist festival arts festival yeah and Ava Vidal was speaking I don't um, know who that is she's a comedian okay um, and she's a woman of colour and she spoke about intersectionality and she was fucking awesome she was great um, she's like super pregnant as well and there's something about super pregnant strong women being awesome and taking yeah. up space that I think is really exciting as well yeah. but um, she spoke about uh, she spoke firstly about um, the experience of being a woman of colour and within the context of a lot of this feminist discourse that um, the fight is for equal pay as we were saying and the right to work and she pointed out that black women have always had the right to work and that a lot of black women don't get paid the same as white women do and so for them it's you know there's a different level to to reach before we're even on the Mm. same page and this is really important and she spoke loads about trans rights as well and it was really I was so excited because as the, as the only as I felt as I, the only out trans person in the room mm. um, her inclusivity of these fights and these kind of um, this thing was really exciting to see yeah and I, and I think like, I think there's a I think maybe this is going slightly from what you just said mm. but um, you know there is a sense in the trans world, I think, about the more you pass and the better you pass and the more kind of feminine you look, the easier life is. Yeah. Um, and that's in terms as well, in a media outlet, I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the trans women in the media are very kind of, uh, myself included, you know, presentable packaged women. Mm-hmm. And that's a currency, isn't it? Yeah. That, that privilege of... Um, of passing, I hate the phrase passing, but that privilege of being read as your preferred gender or mm. being read as a recognisable yeah. gender. Um, yeah. It's huge, and you're right. I mean, there is that kind of, it's this sense of infighting almost, isn't it? And like measuring mm. jealousy or feeling of privilege either uh, either side of people. I mean, I guess I, w- I want to pass, otherwise I wouldn't be wearing these clothes. Mm. You know, if I, w- if I didn't want to pass, I'd be wearing something which was much more gender neutral. Like, for example, right now I'm wearing like a, a gold sequined <laughs> cardigan, I'm wearing a Yoko Ono t-shirt, and I'm wearing a green um, 
uh, knee-length leather skirt. If I wasn't wanting to pass, I would probably be wearing something which is, has a bit more of a masculine style to it, or something which is baggy, and didn't show off my kind of female shape, or yeah. I would probably be have no makeup on. Yeah. So um, I guess I do want to pass, and that's only because I know that uh, I'm comfortable. This is how I, I'm in a, I'm in a kind of presentation where I feel comfortable. Mm. So it's, I'm not trying to be overtly anything. I'm yeah. just, I've found kind of, you know, clothes just aren't about, clothes just for me aren't about how they look. It's how mm. they feel. It's how I feel wearing them. Yeah. You know, and I know the difference when, I, when I'm wearing something, whether it be masculine or female, that I don't like. Yeah. I think of, because there's definitely, like, I dress sometimes for safety and for other people. Yeah. Like right now, I'm, because of the last five months, my hormone level's been all up and down because of this thing we were talking about before. And, um, and as, a re- as a result, I haven't been able to keep up with my like laser beard removal and stuff. And as a result, I'm getting a shadow coming back and like all of these things. If it was down, if it was down to me, it is down to me. I don't choose to cover that up because it's a pain. Yeah. And it doesn't work super well either. But um, but I do that for other people. So there's definitely things that I do do for other people. But equally. I really, I get really excited by, um, I get really excited by clothes and by being able, being able to wear, to be able to dress in a gendered way, um, because I think for whatever reason I desired it for so many years. Exactly. And I felt yeah. so like so. I think of when we were in Paris studying. Hold that thought, I'm just going to reply to okay, these okay, people okay. who are meeting me. Are we good for, t- are you good for time for a second? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thinking about clothes. And so when we were in Paris and yeah. we were studying at, at Philippe Rellier's school, studying clown, yes. and we were two English boys, They can use that, yeah. I'm happy the, with that. Um, you know, in that room, or per- perceived as, um, and that's I said maybe it's not a great example, but this is like when I kind of when I think of you in terms of in, in, in that time. But we were we had to have costumes as well, so we weren't even like in our clothes. We were in our costume clothes. Yeah. And I felt I was so unhappy in those in those clothes in the clothes that I chose to wear, which I'm sure is why I wasn't able to be as funny as I wanted to be. But I was though that period in France yeah. I was going back to my, going back to my apartment where I was staying and putting on female clothes oh really at that time yeah wow yeah yeah that's interesting yeah I remember you had to you were like um, what was what, did they, what costume did they give you like beachwear the Don, had to... Don Juan of the beach <laughs> like the, the muscle guy on the beach <laughs> is quite funny I guess <laughs> you think about it but, I mean that was so kind of that, so that's the thing when um, you know the binary and stereotypes come in isn't it mm. when you're kind of character drawing people and he gave me the idea to put the Scottish man yeah it was awful and really specifically like Scottish man as well yeah it was awful yeah I hated you were in that. a kill I was in a kill yeah I hated it oh no but so this I mean with that um, that whole course that whole um Style is playing off of 
stereotypes, isn't it? So yeah. you're, and to be able to kind of hit that stereotype, yeah, you've got to be a recognisable something. Like I think I would. I, so can I, can I ask? Yeah. Um, <laughs> after this, after this uh, scraping table goes by. So, could you also perform in a drag context and in? Um, yeah. well, I say I say a drag context, but in kind of queer cabaret yeah. world as well. So you have that um, life, which you, which, which was part of your life even back then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of drag is is play is playing on gender or playing against gender. Yeah. Where's the space for that? when you are a transgender body, when one is a transgender body. Here's my, here's my lover. Oh. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. Ryan, this is Emma. Hi. I know I've been paying all day. <laughs> I left yeah. it on because I think it looks cool. Yeah, it is. It looks busy. Yeah, we're just finishing up um, talking. We're, we're recording. You can be in it if you we're want. We're recording a podcast. Yeah. It's Emma's podcast. Hello, podcast. Sorry, I'm not cleaning up the apple cart. No, no. We're talking about what were we saying? Mechanisms within drag now. Yeah, what's your name, sorry? Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Um, yeah, we were just talking about, oh, I was asking, how do, you, how do you do drag when you are a trans? Or yeah, a, it was a much more interesting than that. Um, you said. Um, how do you queer gender if you're already queering gender, I guess? In real life? Or if the audience isn't going to ne- necessarily recognisably read you as... I don't know if my drag was queer in gender. Okay. It was creating a new gender. Okay. It wasn't, aver- it wasn't overtly feminine or it wasn't overtly masculine, I think. Yeah. No, your question was like... <laughs> how do you... Um, about gender stereotypes and, yeah, and using yeah. drag to reinforce gender stereotypes, yeah. wasn't it? Or to play against it and, you know... The, when we were we studied in Paris together oh um, yeah many oh, yeah. many years ago and so to be to be given the Emma, yeah. um, the character of the muscle guy on the beach and to play against to play with that as a as a skinny non-muscly guy there's a game there to be played yeah and I and I feel sometimes that as a person who gets read as you know, determinate gender it sort of takes the fun out of it for people, like yeah. to them to be able to be able to play the muscle guy. It's not like to sort of push against your kind of like seem to be in a kind of weakened position anyway. Like yeah. Whereas, like people think you're already doing Seven. that, so yeah. to an extreme sort of thing. It's not as yeah. It's not clowning the gender, and it's not really. Hello. Yeah. Just let you know that seven o'clock we're going to reserve this area. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. We've already been moved from one area. We're, <laughs> we're working our way around the ICA, aren't we? I'm a total pro at this. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I ask, uh, how, because I ask um, first of all the guests, how do you identify? Or how would you say you identify? Really? Identify. Yeah, I Table now. Yeah, perfect. Um, I, I, uh, do you want me to? Well, just we're being joined by somebody else. Yeah. Oh, hello. Uh, I was. I thought it was a video. Isn't it? Not. It's just, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're recording. I'm recording a yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, but please, um, you can. You're here now as well. 
What's your name? Stuart. Stuart. Yeah. Hello. Do you know the rock band Wild Daughter? What? Do you know the rock band Wild Daughter? It's a rock band, or it's just a band. Do you know the prog rock band Wild Daughter? And Stuart's a member of Wild Daughter. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So you're basically making this podcast loads cooler. Um, I don't know about that. Don't bring us something to it. You've dre- definitely dressed for a podcast. Yeah, washed your hair. It's nice. Yeah, I was yeah. talking about you and your. Oh, me, yeah, yeah. It's all about the hair, isn't it? Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. But this is good because you've both got long hair. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we can talk a bit about hair. Well, can I, so, so <laughs> first off, so um, Ryan, Ryan, how how do you identify? I identify as queer, but like from definitely a privileged point of view, being like. Presenting as male, looking mm-hmm. male, um, being tall, white, vaguely symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of, yeah, I've got kind of carte blanche. I can kind of sort of roll with it from a fairly secure position, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so that's kind of me. Yeah. And Stuart, how would you say you identify? Um, I don't know, really. I think I feel a bit uncomfortable with, with even saying what I... What to be honest, put on this little thing. Yeah, you've the bus. You don't have to talk to us. No, I think. You don't have to talk to us. Oh, no, it's, it's interesting because it, I think it's because maybe at the time when I grew up, mm. it was you, you know, I like guys, so therefore, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing tag that, as you, if you will, yeah. that was available then was gay. Yeah, yeah. Because that, you know, so um, you took that tag. Mm-hmm. Reluctantly, yeah, and and kind of put it on, and then that's the tag that you've got. But then within kind of gay culture, mm-hmm. you're looking around you. When I first moved to London, you know, I, I would say I went to uh, St Martin's, went to Fashion College. So when I came to London, I I kind of looked a certain way, mm-hmm. and then the places that we were going to, I was looking around me, and this was post, you know, new romantics and yeah, stuff, yeah. which was quite a slightly different. It was still kind of fashion victims and yeah. stuff. But I was kind of, we'd go, there's a, a place called the Berlin King's Cross, which was like the mecca of gay nightlife right. in, in the 1980s. And I'd go there, and it was a kind of, it, it had its roots in kind of Indian alternative. Mm-hmm. But certain nights I'd be there and I'd be looking around me feeling really kind of quite uncomfortable and a little bit alien because there was people, it's, it's like cycling shorts and flat tops. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I had this, you know, long hair that, yeah. that you know, and, and a little bit later on actually, I got quite a bit of abuse from other gay men, gay clubs, because of having long hair. Yeah. It's quite threatening, you know, F off, you yeah, don't yeah. want people with long hair in here, um, why don't you get it? You know, yeah. and that was like a bit shy. I was threatened once by somebody, a guy, said, if you don't stand somewhere else, I'm going to smash your face. And, yeah. and this is on the gay scene, and I was really shocked. Yeah. And it kind of let me. You know, the, it was the kind of because you think, oh, it's, just, it's the same haven. The, the, the you know the, the gay scene. I wouldn't even call it a queer scene. Yeah. The gay scene is, you know, it's, oh, well, we're all from, you know, the dispossessed backgrounds, and we're all going to come together, and it's yeah. going to be wonderful. And then suddenly you're facing this other kind of discrimination that you didn't yeah. expect. It becomes really like homogenised, yeah. it? you know, it's like kind of cloning each yeah. other, almost. Yeah. So then you, you're finding yourself coding yourself in different looks yeah. when you go out. Oh, is this look going to suit them? And yeah. is this look going to suit them? 
and you know, and it's I think it's really it's almost like you kind of you they going oh do you know what I think I've got this lockdown for tea to meet these kind of lot and this kind mm. of lot yeah yeah you know I mean I think it's only when I kind of got older and there's a kind of younger crowd coming through especially um, with Rihanna when I first met Rihanna I was involved in a club with a mutual friend and then I begin to kind of find that other side of me that I probably had one as an art and stuff that I kind of left behind and then re-engage with that and then suddenly I'm like do you know what it's, I love the way I look I'm so accepting of myself and this is this is it you know and it's so no no which is a, a beautiful sentiment and I mean it just this really connects with what we were talking about earlier about who who are we dressing for and the fact that you know you're talking about dressing to kind of to fit or not not doing but the pressure to fit in with a community and with a or, or we were talking about the pressure to blend in with society and where there's there's safety in looking like everyone else there's mm. safety in yeah. externally demonstrating that you are like everyone else mm. and it's crazy that we do still police our own queer spaces mm. and safe spaces in that way that's something we should agree to stop right now something else <laughs> not do that anymore huh? no this was, said, this was said at a talk I was at last week and someone asked um, one of the panellists what um, like how could different trans people work together um, mm-hmm. and the response was just like sister 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 you know mm-hmm. just look out got to look out for everyone yeah, but we should be doing that as, as much more than just trans people, I think, too. Mm. Absolutely. Because I think there's this whole notion that after kind of acid house and everything, you know, he's like doing copious amounts of drugs, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's, you know, gays, trays, there's, you know, yeah. LGBT. Yeah, to see sort Q of washed was it all, off. Well, yeah. it wasn't Q then, because, you know, it was all kind of like coming together, and everyone's going, ah, oh, it's great. You know, it's like to get, when their drugs were wearing off and everyone was kind of <laughs> yeah, the next morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. whole different thing. So you've got the, you know, the, the, the sexual guy who's kind of pretty cool with it and everything, but then it's like, oh, yeah. you know, and, you know, well, that's it. And the, the difference of being in the, in the real world or in the light of the day after the party. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's, it's a good line, isn't it? After the party, mm. <laughs> even the whole, you know, the whole, you know, it's like where'd you go for, you know, for your satisfaction, sex, for your kinks and stuff like that. So you go to sauna, you know, and I think a sauna for me, you know, like I've had my kind of feel. It was like okay, we're here, we're naked, we're in a towel, mm. you know, you can't judge me. Yeah. But it was. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I must admit, going to Salon for me was quite liberating. Yeah. You know, because I used to, when I was kind of growing younger, I really hated my body. I thought I was really skinny. And, mm-hmm. But when I started doing kind of drag in the kind of um, early 90s at Kinky Galinky, I came to love myself because I was doing this drag and then pushing it and pushing it and pushing it till you know I was out in not much like a denim swimsuit with a bit of raffia you know and then, and then I just felt and I was just like and that really helped me you know love myself you know like my body and not think that I have to be you know the kind of 
pumped up and, yeah. and all that kind of thing. And I think with you know the start of Sarno, you're all, you're stripped off, but there's still the the body fascist yeah. kind of okay. There's a gym bunny. There's the Latino. There's the, the you know. And um, it's, I mean, it's an interesting that say that safety or that space of being able to discover stuff in public. So in a... Are you a performer, right? No. Okay. Quite the opposite. Yeah, I'm a drawer, so I okay. hide away from people to do what I need to do. Yeah. But... Ed Alwood, really. But with the three of us who do, I think mm-hmm. finding that space in a very public way to figure out stuff but then it still comes down to walking out the door at the end of the night not in your denim swimsuit anymore and that point of taking it all off but the way some people look at you as someone who's grown up with when I was was younger I was getting mistaken for a girl even though now I do get mistaken for a madam (laughs) we were sat at the daily coffee shop weren't we and this woman behind us came up and was like are you two done madam yeah yeah (laughs) and then you turned around and you were like and she was like, oh, sorry, sir. And you were like, no, madam. And then she, and then you really confused her, didn't you? Yeah. It was really interesting. Because yeah, that's I walked in, um, I think it was Gap, right. the other day with a friend. And um, as soon as we walked in, the assistant said, the men's department's upstairs. Really? And I said, I don't want the men's department. <laughs> and she looked at me and she's like, oh. And I said to my friend, I said, I find that quite irritating. Yeah. And he went, Oh, we should just do a job. I said, but in these times, it, it's there's there's no need. I don't. I mean, I look. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm no spring. You know, I'm not a twenty year old. You know, so I've I've been in a lot of departments. Let's get to the men's bit. Yeah. I don't, I think that whole thing of you know going to clubs and everything gave you that bravado to go in the you know the, the laundry yeah, yeah. department and say to the assistant, excuse me, um, where are the hold-ups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, yeah. are they for? Or, no. or you get some news, like, oh, it's just over here, so yeah, yeah. it's no, it's no big deal. I love yeah. it, what Marilyn, you know, Marilyn, the singer, mm-hmm. um, this is on a TV programme, look, you get a piece of fabric, you put it one way, it's a man. Yeah. Cut it another way is for a woman. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. and I don't think that's right. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's totally, but it's totally not right. But still, you've got that person at the door, making a snap judgment based on their on their opinion, and it's mm. and we've come back to passing and being red again. But I know we are more than the clothes that we put on as well. Yeah, we're the whole body. I suppose it's context as well, though, and it trickles down slowly. And I think if you're talking about working on the shop floor. Like, you know, isn't typically kind of a much of an outward-looking sort of worldview people tend to have, and if they do, they definitely don't tend to have that on the sales floor. It's like you're watching this to make sure they're not nicking that and this, that, and the other. You're not kind of sort of freed up mentally to sort of you know engage with people perhaps on their level it's just sort of like yeah like you say menswear women's wear and department stores I mean departments compartmentalizing I think in the wider world I think it's much more now this undefining Mm. and it just depends what spaces you're in Mm. but I think like if you're looking in terms of you know spaces where things are sold you know you're talking there about how it changed in sort of the gay scene and and you know, if we look at the way it is now, 
that's a lot to do with money and, and capitalism and commodification you know so I think it's interesting what's going on at the moment with now kind of this breakthrough into the mainstream of trans and that has a lot to do with selling stuff yeah. and selling a body image and that's always if you look back at the history of how women have been treated you know that image is sold to them often now it resonates and sort of you know there's gender and sexuality are two different things but yeah you know what clothes you put on will sort of heighten one you can heighten the sexuality if you know and things like that but yeah I think it, it depends what areas you're in and I think like you know what spaces and I think if you look at just outside of the whole gender and sexuality thing I mean this is why I mentioned queer because I see it more you know like I say I've been privileged that I've been able to be undefined mm. and you know I am they don't like Stuart's experience you know attracted to men mm. like, I grew up without that I was far more ambiguous mm. I was attracted to trans and you know women I was attracted to that image perhaps right. and so sort of moving around in the world like I can sort of see it through other people's eyes with you know say experiences sort of black people walking into what what are termed as white spaces mm. and now what people seem to be talking about where now you know trans has now come out of the night as it were and into the daylight um, now watching that sort of you know people sort of traversing those normal spaces in inverted commas and that, you know, it's, it's interesting, obviously, you know, it just takes time and it's different you know, areas, I suppose. I don't know, I'm not going to sum up for that. It is. <clears throat> How are you finding being in Brighton there and that being much more of a trans-friendly space in comparison well, to where you were in London? But it is and it isn't, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I've got told I had to go to the men's changing room in H&M. In Brighton. Fuck it, yeah. I was like, oh, should I say where it was? Yes, it was H&M in Brighton. And you think, come Oh, and it's bright, and if mm. you're going to see anywhere, you're going to see more, multiple people of various presentations and lots and lots of trans people. Mm. And maybe that's one person, and maybe it's one person having a shit day or whatever, but yeah. I mean, it really surprised me. But then, you know, again, I went last week and I had a bra fitting at another popular mainstream store. Yeah. No, I'm not very proud of shopping it actually. But and it was fine and it yeah. was really fine and I suspected it was about as awkward as it would be for anyone mm-hmm. um, going for their first bra fitting but I got no no bad vibe off the women that were helping me. They were both older women and they were like n- not even any sense that this was in any way unusual for them yeah. to be meeting a woman in her late 30s coming for her first bra fitting. He's trans. Like it was, t- it was totally not a thing at all. I suppose with bras and that, like it's always going to be kind of awkward. So you're kind of always inhabiting that well, like, yeah, hinterland like where basically this is a social impropriety because it's two people in close proximity and one of them's mm. got half their kit off. You know, yeah. and half of them are going to always be because we're talking about like body shame and this that and the other. More than half, the vast majority are always going to have a bit of a hang up. So people are kind of used to sort of working in that space if, if they're you know doing bra fittings so I suppose I could expect that but I think like the blinkers come on like a lot of the time especially with people that get into retail mm-hmm. you know and I think it's got more to do with retail than perhaps but it, this is the, the the thing that you come into more contact with because obviously it's a outward expression gender it's a shop and it becomes you know 
symbolic, but I don't I don't know if it's really the right place. I mean, if you sort of, I mean, your encounter sort of in the coffee shop, it's more it's more playful, I suppose, and like you say, the hair and, and things like that. Mistakes happen, but generally out and about, maybe it's just this town people keep to themselves and sort of keep their heads down, but. It's where you have the interactions, I suppose. Mm. I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, but we still, like, underneath all of these, all of these things, they're going to the shops or going to cafes or going to saunas or whatever, there's, we still live in a culture where we're expected to know what the other person's gender is or the other person's identity is mm. without having to ask. That it's just accepted that, that that will be correct. And what, hopefully, as we were speaking at the beginning, is going to blow apart in the next bit of time are the multiple people who are actually don't really feel they want to fit into either man or woman category and therefore as soon as there's enough people who aren't doing that then it becomes reductive yeah, just you're going to sell less yeah. stuff if you start gendering people yeah yeah but that's a huge cultural shift isn't it yeah. Yeah. It's a huge cultural shift. Well, i was in davis street market today at the new davis street market and um you know, they haven't got a male and female section, it's just everything is mixed yeah. together. And, you know, that's like done by designers or colours or kind of yeah. theme thematically, and I think that's how it's going to be. I think it's interesting because I think obviously that's the first thing we're taught. You know, things are gendered from the very early stage, like children around three get obsessed with animals or whatever, but before that is like he, she, and everything sort of laid out that mum, dad, and so on and so forth. I mean, there was an interesting thing I had. <coughs> A little while ago, about basically on the roads, they found out and started doing it in certain towns. If you take the white lines off the middle of the road, then people actually drive more safely. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of counterintuitive, but people are actually more sort of cautious when they don't feel that they have this channel. Now, with this idea of obviously, you know, if we were really honest, there's sort of like this infinite spectrum, so there'd be like infinite amount of sort of pronouns, if that's the right word, and prefixes, but we're not there yet. So maybe it's again like this bit by bit taking away the barriers, making the gender fluid toilets and making the sort of, you know, removing it and then allowing us to sort of figure out more cautiously, like taking the lines off the roads, you know, how we traverse that space and sort of let it evolve. But like I say, I mean, these things, it's just going to happen so slowly, especially when it's something that's so, you know, ingrained at the earlier stage. And it's strange, yeah, because I would have thought, you know, Brighton being a place, you children yourself, haven't you? Yeah. So more parents sort of, that aren't sort of you know heteronormative and, and, and come from different backgrounds. That's where the change will happen. But it will be more than generational. It will be a couple I mean, of generations, I, maybe. I think you're right. I don't think it should be like that. I'm quite into the notion of radical fast change and that being okay for people to like to deal with because it's it doesn't begin it hasn't begun in 2014 it has been coming to this for generations I'm just I remember being in the Cubs in a gang in in we did a gang show yeah and um, I was assigned the role of a woman uh huh you know, one cub was a guy, another yeah. one was actually a woman. Oh, okay. And my mum hand wrote a note saying I wasn't allowed to dress up as a woman. Really? <laughs> 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 Have you got the brains? <laughs> That's brilliant. I think it's a clubs and then cubs. Yeah. We're probably the living embodiment of what she was frightened would happen. <laughs> yeah, but, that, you know, but then, you know, 
years later, she gave me a hairpiece. She used to wear hairpieces right. in the late 70s, 80s, and she said, I'm chucking this out, she wanted it. <laughs> so I'm not. <laughs> okay, I fucked up. Um, I didn't clear the memory on my recorder. And so after three podcasts worth of material, this is where it cuts out. Um, So what happened next? Well, we talked a little more. Um, Stuart revealed a boyhood fascination with the murdered partner of James Stewart. Um, I got people's names wrong and made an unwise comment about having a jagged ring when it snagged on my cardigan. Uh, Someone else turned up and the room continued getting busier and busier. And so we wrapped up pretty soon after, actually. Um, Before we did, Rhiannon was kind enough to provide a tantalisingly open topic for the next episode, which is going to be election. Yes, that's election. But you'll have to take my word for it. Um, I'd like to pick up again with Rhiannon at some point. Uh, We never really got to answer that question, um, which was a lot of drag is playing against gender. Where's the space for that when one is a transgender body? And I think there's more to get into around that maybe in season two. You can find links to some of the things we mentioned and our Twitter handles in the info, along with information and links for Stuart and Ryan. And we didn't get to plug any events, but I'm going to do it now. So if you are anywhere near a computer on April the 4th, then do make sure that you are following the Battersea Arts Centre Twitter feed, as I'll be taking it over for the day to live document my progress from Truro in Cornwall to Battersea in London, accompanied by a three-piece brass band and a giant Cornish pasty. Uh, We're going to awaken a set of bedrooms I've been designing with the brilliantly talented um, Moravan Wano, um, hence the building site references, with song and stories, and it's going to be bonkers and joyous. And there's links below. So do tell us what you thought about this episode via Twitter, and please do continue to share it widely. Um, I think that's all for now. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for all your comments on the previous podcasts. Uh, Wherever you are, take care of each other. Love and respect. See you soon.